Good morning, SunWest. Welcome back to Church at Home. Uh, a few days ago, my phone just started buzzing and buzzing and buzzing, and people were asking me, uh, so we're having church this Sunday? We're we coming back to the building uh, for our worship gatherings? Uh, and as many of you are probably aware, uh, our government uh, moved into phase two this past week. And one of the, one of the things, the allotments in phase two was no restrictions on numbers at worship gatherings. Uh, and so I think the expectation of many would be that we would jump right back into, um, right back into gathering together for worship services on, on Sunday. Uh, and so if that was your hope and expectation, I am sorry to disappoint, uh, but we are not going to be rushing back to gathering together at our Sunday services, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit right now about why. Um, we, uh, I think we have to be mindful of our most vulnerable, not just our, not just our people that are most vulnerable, although we have to be mindful of them as well, but also the loved ones that our people are connected to that might be vulnerable. Uh, people uh, are all over the spectrum uh, of being done with this. Let's just go back to normal and go back to church and uh, other people that aren't ready, that are still feeling concerned about uh, gathering in public places. Uh, some of the restrictions around gathering together would be that we wouldn't be allowed to sing uh, together. Uh, and uh, as you know, that's a major part of what we do uh, on our Sundays together. Uh, kids two and under would have to be with parents. Uh, kids over two would have to stay with the same group of kids uh, each time. And we know that that just doesn't happen at Sunday. We have many people coming and going uh, each week. Uh, the social distancing measures would still be in place, and because of those social distancing measures, we wouldn't be able to fill up our building. Uh, we'd have to do multiple services, and we'd have to have you pre-register uh, for services ahead of time. Uh, and all of these pieces are not undoable, for sure, um, but I think they would uh, not be satisfying in the way that we would hope when we get back together. Uh, and uh, And so we are... Taking a pause, we are um, not going to rush uh, ahead of this curve. We've taken the posture from the very beginning of the COVID pandemic uh, to try and be on the conservative uh, side, to love our neighbor very practically. And loving our neighbor sometimes just means, um, you know, abiding by the restrictions as much as we can in an honoring way. Um, and as we've talked to people who, at Sunwesters who have been struggling during this time uh, in terms of uh, missing out from something at church, the two things that we hear over and over again is I miss the worship, I miss getting together for worship, and I miss the community. I miss the people. And uh, and the first option, uh, missing the worship, I think we've got to recognize that even if we did gather this Sunday or in the coming weeks, uh, the worship that would happen would not look the same as what we would normally do anyways. Uh, and the second uh, desire for people is the missing of community. Uh, I'm going to address that a little bit this morning. So uh, we're changing up from our Mark series. Uh, I was planning on preaching on Mark 9 and 10 uh, up till yesterday. And then last night, I just felt like, uh, you know, the Lord's saying, we got we to gotta talk about vision uh, for this week. And so we're pausing Mark. We're going to come back to it next week. Uh, but this is a Vision Sunday. And I want to talk about obstacles or opportunities. Obstacles or opportunities. And... Uh, a number of years ago, when I was, I think, in junior high, I remember riding uh, my bike. Uh, I rode my bike a lot uh, around my small town, going to a friend's house. I was coming back from my friend's house, 
And uh, if you know me, I usually have some kind of song or rhythm going on in my head. Uh, and knowing how old I was, I'm assuming it was a collective soul song that I had going on in my head. And so I'm riding my bike. I'm air, I'm air drumming. Uh, and uh, air drumming to collective soul song, singing, uh, just daydreaming or eyes closed or something. And no hands on the handlebars. And all of a sudden, wham, I ran into a, the back of a parked car. Uh, and I hit my face on the end of the hood and I flipped over or the trunk and I flipped over on the top of the trunk uh, only to get up uh, with a bleeding puffy face, uh, blood on the car. Um, I remember crying and I had that mo- I had this moment where I was just in my own little world. I wasn't looking, I wasn't hearing, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to what was going around me. Uh, and as we've gone through the Mark series, we know that one of the themes in Mark is, do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Are you perceiving what is actually going on around you? Do you see God at work? Do you see the opportunities ahead of you? Uh, and I believe uh, that if we do have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, we have tremendous opportunity right now in this season uh, to maybe move forward in a new kind of way that God is calling us to move forward. So do you have eyes to hear? Or do you have ears to hear? <laughs> uh, do you have eyes to see? Uh, that's the question uh, that I want to propose to you. And, uh, and I want to maybe ask the question, I want to maybe propose some things that I feel like God is, is showing us or inviting us into as a church community uh, at this time. Um, so the last recession of 08 and 09, there was organizations that took the opportunity to make progress and there was organizations uh, that did not, uh, that didn't change when the time for change came. And, uh, and I want to talk about the company Kodak. Some of you remember Kodak. Uh, if you're probably 10 and under for sure, if not older, uh, 12, 13 and under, you've maybe never even heard of Kodak before. Uh, but Kodak was uh, was, le- was on the leading edge of the digital camera uh, industry for a long time. Kodak invented the digital camera. And, uh, and the, the recession hit in 08 and 09. Uh, companies were trying to manage what w- was going on. Uh, things were changing uh, digitally in the tech world very quickly. And all these things were happening. And some companies were flexible. Some reimagined what they were doing. And others hung on to the methods that they'd always have. And, uh, and Kodak was one of those companies that weren't flexible. They didn't thrive. They didn't pivot. They didn't change. They didn't innovate. Uh, and, and it's an example, I think, of an organization uh, that missed a window of opportunity uh, and, and because maybe it was just focused on the obstacles and clinging to the methods that they have. Right now, Kodak, you know, uh, what do we, when we think of digital cameras, you know, it's not even a thing anymore. My son, uh, Silas, you know, he thinks a digital camera is a great science experiment. So he spent <laughs> he spent time in this COVID season uh, finding old uh, cameras in the basement and spending hours and hours just taking them absolutely apart. It's like this archaic study. You know, what is this thing? Uh, what, what do people do with these things? Uh, and not that long ago, everybody had one. Uh, but you don't see hardly anybody walking around with digital cameras anymore, unless maybe they're a photographer. But most people, you know, have a phone and they're using a phone for for taking their photos. Um, but Kodak did not uh, change with the times. And now if we compare that to uh, something like Instagram, uh, so many, 
probably all of you know Instagram. Um, and Instagram was a company that was started in the wake of that recession, in the, in the wake of all those changes. Uh, and both companies are about photography, uh, but one of the companies bet their entire company on the fact that they thought people would still want to print pictures, that people would still want to do things the way they had always done it. One bet their entire existence on their method. That was Kodak. Um, the other company took a look at the changes that were happening in the world and they asked the question, uh, what are the opportunities uh, because of the changes uh, that we now have in front of us? So the mission was taking pictures. The method for Kodak was printing pictures. And even more specifically, using a certain digital device to take pictures um, and then use that to print pictures. But there's a difference between mission and method. Kodak moment is a phrase, uh, if you're familiar, that Kodak used in their advertising. It was part of their advertising uh, campaign. This is a Kodak moment, and, and, the, and the phrase continues to be used today. And it's a phrase that we use when we take pictures of someone at a particular moment in time that we don't want to forget, something from our past. This is a Kodak moment. I don't want to for, forget it. Ironically, the existence of Kodak was a Kodak moment. It's something from the past. It's something to be remembered. It's not something... Uh, that currently exists anymore. I believe that the church that thrives will focus on what we can do and what we can't do. They're going to focus on what we can do, not on what we can't do. But in order to do that, in order to be clear about uh, what we can do, what our methods are going to be, we need to be clear on what our mission is. And SunWest has always anchored our mission in the great co-mission, in the great co-mission which we find in Matthew uh, 28. And if you've been around SunWest for any length of time, you've heard me talk about Matthew 28. It's core to who we are and what we're about. Um, in Matthew 28, it reads, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And if you've taken starting point, you've heard me ask this question, how many commands how many imperatives or commands are in this text? Well, depending on what translation you read, you might read there, there's quite a number that you could assume might be uh, commands. Here in the NIV translation, you know, we could say, uh, you know, go, make disciples, you know, baptize, teach, obey. You know, there's lots of things that we could say, hey, here's some imperatives that Jesus gives. Uh, but the interesting thing in the Greek language is that you can tell... Uh, what the command or what the form, what, what the function of the word is based on the form of the word. Uh, so there's different uh, prefixes and endings on words uh, that, that will tell you the function that they're playing uh, in the paragraph and the sentence. And in fact, if you read through Matthew 28, uh, you will find that there's only one commandment. There's only one commandment that Jesus gives us. Uh, and I've used this example before, but if I say to my boys, you know, go and clean their room, and I say, uh, you know, pick up your clothes, uh, and pick up the toys, make your beds, you know, all of those things, those three things, pick up the toys, make your beds, uh, and whatever the third one was that I said, they're all describing cleaning the room. They're, they're all a description of the one commandment, which was to clean the room. So clean the room, but that means these things. And what we find in Matthew 28, there's only one commandment, and that commandment is to make disciples. The only imperative Jesus gives at the end of the Gospel of Matthew to his followers is to make disciples. Make disciples. 
make disciples. And SunWest's mission statement is that we exist to guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. What is that saying? It's really just a nuanced saying that means make disciples. <laughs> guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus. Make disciples. Bring people into a relationship with Jesus. Invite them to follow Him uh, with their whole life, through their whole life. And there are many ways to do that. There are many ways to make disciples. And uh, there are many ways that SunWest does that. And there are many ways that we could do that. Uh, and those are called methods. We create methods to accomplish our mission. But sometimes we begin to confuse our methods with our mission. If the mission is clear, methods will change over time. If the mission is fuzzy, we'll be tempted to make the methods our mission. Let me say that again. If the mission is fuzzy, we will be tempted to make the methods our mission. And I believe when we begin to do that, we're not that far away from our own Kodak moment. I don't think we want that Kodak moment. And so um, I'm asking this morning, are we concerned as a church, as a faith community, are we concerned with our methods or are we concerned with our mission? Now, a a typical Sunday gathering uh, looks something like this. Um, you know, this is the method, the formation in which we gather. Um, and, and if you pay attention to this formation, it's a lot of effort put on by, you know, a small percentage of people. And there's a lot of people uh, that are, uh, are consuming a lot of information uh, from a select few people. And, and don't get me wrong. I love, love, love our large gatherings. It's a highlight for me every week. I miss them. They're important to me. They're important to my, my faith and, and building me up and being... Um, you know, sharpening one another in community, uh, to worship together, to pray together, to spur one another, one another on, to celebrate what God is doing and hear testimonies. It's Sundays are amazing, uh, but would this alone help us accomplish our mission? If we understand the mission to make disciples, to guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus, does this help us do that? I think we say it's part. It's part of that, but this method is far different than the mission itself. Now, Luke uh, wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote Acts. And uh, at the end of Jesus' time on earth, you know, we talked about Matthew talking about the Great Commission. We see Luke say, you know, give something similar at the beginning of the book of Acts. At the book of Acts, Jesus is uh, talking to his disciples, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my followers. And you're going to witness in Jerusalem, and this is going out geographically, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then in in verse 12, after that it says, the apostles returned to Jerusalem after Jesus had kind of commissioned them in this way. And they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women um, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That's what it says in verse 12 to 14 in Acts chapter 1. So Jesus gives them this great commission uh, and that you're going to do this, but wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So they get together in Jerusalem. They're praying in Jerusalem. And Acts 2, we talked about last week, where the Holy Spirit comes, uh, you know, and he's bringing together this unified body of every tribe, tongue, and language. And this beautiful revival, renewal moment happens in Acts 2. But... Here's the thing, is they, after that happened, they remained in Jerusalem, and I was, I was trying to look this up for possibly four years or so. 
after that event at Pentecost. They kept gathering in Jerusalem. They kept gathering in Jerusalem. They gathered. They accumulated. They gathered. And it's not that the gathering was wrong, but what happened as they gathered and gathered and gathered is that they weren't necessarily stepping into the mission to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They remained in Jerusalem. Now, listen to this. Acts 8.1, possibly about four years later, on that day a great persecution broke out. A great crisis happened against the church in Jerusalem where they were gathering. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And here's the irony that happens in Acts between Acts 1.8 and Acts 8.1. In Acts 1.8, we see the commission, that this is your mission. But we also see that they got comfortable and they stayed where they were for years. And it wasn't until a crisis came that it catapulted their 1.8 their, their mission. Their 8.1 crisis catapulted their 1.8 mission. Think about that for a second. Jesus commissioned them, Acts 1.8. But it wasn't until things got uncomfortable, it wasn't until things um, got were critical and they had to scatter that they began to move into the mission that, got, that Jesus had already called them to years earlier. And so that leads me to ask this question. And I think we should be asking this question. Are we primarily seeing and hearing obstacles or opportunities? When we think in the season and our hopes for our church and what, where God is leading us, are we seeing obstacles to just going back to the way things were? Or are we actually paying attention enough to see the opportunities that God's Spirit might be inviting us to? A couple of years ago, we took some bold steps as a church to move forward in, a, in mission and faith. And we called, uh, I think it was about a seven-week series, and we called that series The Church I See. And I believe that The Church I See was a moment in time when we as a collective moved from just talking about the church Matt sees or the church our leadership team sees and we, we started thinking about the church that I see, taking ownership of it. And you leaned into that vision and many of you gave sacrificially uh, in your time, in your talent, in your finances to because you wanted to see th- this vision move forward. And uh, early this morning I got up and I was reading through uh, the statements that we move forward with at that time. And I want you to Read them, maybe in the context of where we are now. I mean, two years ago when we were doing this campaign uh, and this, this movement and vision, we probably didn't see where we would be today. But listen to the words uh, that we went over at that time. I see a church where maturity is marked by reproduction. And we talked about multiplication reproduction versus just gathering and adding and accumulation. I see a church that is growing because people are stepping into their God-given mandate to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. I see a church that will not desire to build its own fame through accumulation, but will make famous the name of Jesus through multiplication. The church I see is a church that understands that God's church doesn't have a mission, but God's mission has a church. The church I see understands that church is not a service you attend, but a people you belong with. 
I see a church that moves away from simply putting on services one morning a week to having a 24-7 incarnational presence in a community. It is a church that when having to choose between legacy or luxury, it's going to choose legacy every single time. I see a church that chooses the discomfort of mission over the comfort of maintenance. Very similar to the method and mission conversation we're just having. A church that chooses the discomfort of mission over the comfort of maintenance. It's a church that when having to choose... Oh, just said that one. So those are some of the statements that we gave a couple of years ago. And I think we're at a moment in history, in our world, but also in the history of us as a faith community, where that mission, that vision is being tested. Are we, did we actually mean what we said? Is that actually where we wanted to go? Um, and as we're being scattered and pushed and, you know, and challenges are in front of us, is, is our tendency just to try and go back to the way everything was? You know, go back to that Acts 1 moment, Acts 2 moment, or are we actually willing to let the opportunities that are before us, are we willing to see them? Are we willing to hear what the Lord is leading us to do, to do and, and maybe consider that our Acts 8-1 moment that we're in right now actually will help us accomplish the mission that Jesus called us to do. I understand the desire to go back to the way things were. But I believe that if we focus on our mission, if we look at the opportunities, if we would have ears to hear and eyes to see, this could be a moment that shapes us for the future, for many years at Son of Us. We could come away from this summer feeling more connected, more invested, more more convicted, more like Jesus, more on mission together. We could minister more effectively to those who are hurting, grieving, isolated, lonely, exhausted, in need of community, in need of support, in need of encouragement. I think in a way... Uh, that we, we could do all those things so much better rather than pooling all of our resources to try and accomplish this again. And I'm not saying we're not going to do this again. Uh, we, I look forward to the day where we gather together and worship uh, together again as a larger community. But we can work really, really, really hard to recreate this in this season uh, in a way that actually won't be like what it was. Uh, but I would simply ask, is during this time in our circumstances and the opportunities that are before us, is this really the best place and the best way for us as a faith community to put our energy? What if Sunwas looked more like this? What if in this season, as we head into summer, in a time where we usually start disengaging and winding down, what if we actually chose as a community to ramp up? What if we increased our engagement through groups? Instead of having one large gathering, that we would actually ramp up and launch more groups as we head into summer so we get higher engagement, higher participation, higher community. People would, would be more connected than if they were just showing up at a large group gathering in which there were restricted numbers and social distancing measures and in a way that they couldn't connect in a satisfying way anyways. I think that if we actually start to think in terms of multiplication, we would be able to respond to the needs and meet the needs of one another in our community, and we'd be able to move forward on mission in a more effective way. I think that we can move from not just being a church with groups to being a church of groups. Like I said, we usually wind down from groups ministry during summer, but I'm calling you SunWest in this season to ramp up. 
I'm calling out to past group leaders. I'm calling out to group coaches. I'm calling out to maybe those of you who have finished starting point that maybe haven't stepped out in a form of leadership. Maybe this is a time where God might stir your heart to lead a group. If you are unable to lead a group um, and you're not quite there, I would encourage you to take the risk of engaging and signing up and being a part of a group. We are praying for a minimum of 20 groups to launch in the next two weeks. Uh, we want to launch 20 groups at least by June 27th. And that means if you're willing and able to lead a group, uh, I'm inviting you to let me know by June 23rd. Contact me before June 23rd. You know, whether it's a Zoom group, because some people actually don't, like I said, don't feel comfortable meeting in person. And so I think we need to offer some Zoom groups throughout the summer season. Uh, I am hoping and praying, and I know people are excited to have some in-person groups, and we're working on our, even our, our, our policies right now to use our facility for different groups now during the week. Um, but whether it's in the backyard, maybe it's in the driveway, uh, you know, whatever gathering in person might look like. Uh, we are looking for some church at home groups. Instead of hosting a digital watch party, would you host a physical watch party? Maybe you would commit to leading a Sunday church at home group where you gather with a community of people, not just your household, and you would participate in church at home together. Uh, maybe you would consider leading a social group, a study group, a support group, a serve group. You know, we have had fishing groups, we've had knitting groups, mountain biking groups. You know, these are a time we're us to re-engage and ramp up and to give opportunities for us as a larger community to find the connection and the opportunities to be discipled, uh, maybe in a unique and, and refined way that we haven't done before. Uh, so there's so many of you that may not be leading a group, like I mentioned, but your action step would be to join a group. I would encourage you to, to, to reach out, to step out. Uh, maybe that feels risky, uh, but in the next couple of weeks, pay attention to what groups are being offered and just uh, you know, engage yourself and your family in community and the opportunity to grow in relationship with others and with Jesus during this time. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? I think the invitation that Jesus has for us in the season. Will we shrink from this moment because we just see obstacles or will we rise to the occasion because we see an opportunity to accomplish our mission maybe in a more profound way than we have before? Are you willing to let go of the methods that we want to default back to in order that we can grab hold of the mission in a more effective way? SunWest, this is not our Kodak moment. This is our Acts 8-1 moment. This is not our Kodak moment. This is our Acts 8-1 moment. This is not our Kodak moment. This is our Acts 8-1 moment. I got a number of going deeper questions that I would, um, I, I don't just do this for my sake. I would really encourage you, particularly this week in light of what I'm inviting you to, to take time to reflect, to pray, and consider what God is laying on your heart and what he's leading you to, but also what he's leading us to. You know, what do you miss most about gathering as a large group? I think it's okay to name it. I think it's okay to grieve it. I, there, there's lots of things for me that, that I grieve and I miss. And maybe we can just articulate that. What, what do we miss? What do we miss about it? Uh, what is the difference between method and mission? Do you see examples in the church or outside of the church where method gets confused with mission? What is the result that you observe when this happens? What happens when people start to mix up the two and they're protecting a method instead of being creative because the times are changing and they need to think differently because of their mission? Have you experienced a time in your life when an obstacle became an opportunity? 
where it seemed like you came up against a wall or, 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 some, or some other kind of obstacle, but that ended up being an opportunity for something else. What opportunities do you see before you? What opportunities do you see before us as a church right now? Spend some time this week asking God about how he would like you to engage this summer. Is there a type of group he'd like you to attend, to start? Would you be willing to join or start a physical watch party on Sundays or during the week? You know, pray and consider um, how you might be able to engage in that way through the summer months. If you're willing and able to help bring leadership with the group, uh, group leadership in this 8-1 moment, you can just email me directly. You see my email right there. Just say, I'm willing to, to engage, help lead, help be a part of the solution, um, and think outside of the box. That'd be awesome. Uh, and then lastly, please take the time this week to fill out the church pulse survey. You're gonna, uh, you're gonna see some, some messaging here over the next week, the opportunities to fill out the church pulse survey. It is really important, I think, that we, uh, as a community, engage in the survey. Uh, and this survey helps us, it helps me as a leader, uh, actually get some concrete data so that we can make effective decisions for us as a community. Uh, and, and the survey this, w- this week is gonna be oriented around uh, you know, g- gathering and church activity throughout the summer. And if you can, if you can give us feedback and data, uh, it'll help us know how you're doing, how you're feeling, what you're sensing God's saying. Uh, and then we can make some decisions on how we move forward as the weeks go on here. So blessing Sun West, please join me as we pursue our 1-8 mission at this 8-1 moment. So let's just take a moment and pray together. Um, Lord, we know that there are so many things shifting and changing. Uh, Lord, we know uh, that there's elements of our faith community that we're missing and grieving. Um, and Lord, it's easy to focus on what we're missing out on and the things that can't happen. Lord, I pray that you would rise up in us faith, courage, creativity, uh, to think outside of the box. I believe, Lord, that you're calling us uh, back to our mission and heart of discipleship. Uh, Yes, gatherings are important, Lord, but you are calling us to be on mission together. Uh, and Lord, so I pray that there would be at least 20 groups. I pray, pray for more than 20 groups. I pray that we would take responsibility as individuals, as families, as households to say, you know what, I'm going to lean in and we're going to be part of something unique and special um, in regards to where you're leading us as a church in this, in this time. So Lord, would your, would your will be done uh, on earth uh, at SunWest, in our lives, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.